now it's time for News with My Dad, a show where we talk about the news with my dad. And in studio live, playing the role of my dad is, in fact, my dad, the star of our show, Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? I was just thoroughly enjoying the rendition of Walk, Don't Run that was playing a couple minutes ago. I just love that music, and I haven't heard it for years. This is a show we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, do you have a shout-out? I have three shout-outs this morning. Shout-out inflation this morning. (laughs) Oh, boy, I'll say. Shout-out number one. Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney to the NRA and to Congress. It's time to abolish the right to own assault rifles. And, of course, this is stimulated by the guy who holed himself up in a house, shot six cops, had a, had a, a, automatic, a semi-automatic rifle. And, and just as a reminder... Just as a reminder, the murderer who attacked in Dayton shot 26 people in 32 seconds. Please, we don't need those kinds of weapons. Second shout-out. What a shout-out to the proprietor of the shoe shop Birmingham, Alabama, Alabama restaurant specializing in Japanese food, which is going to be closed Saturday. It's closing Saturday, so they won't have to serve people who are attending the Lyric Theater Brian Kilmeade event. And for those who don't know who Brian Kilmeade is, he's the person who does Fox and Friends on Fox and he is a far-right apologist. Shoe Shop, I just compliment you for your courage to do that. And finally, big shout-out to the Israeli women's lacrosse team. The Israeli women's lacrosse team played the Kenya Israeli women's... Israeli women's... Say that five times. It's a hard thing to do, Israeli women's lacrosse team. <laughs> they played the Kenya... Is it Kenya or Kenya? Anyway, that they played them and beat them 13 to 4 and they noticed that the Kenya team was slipping a lot on the grass and then they realized at the end of the game that the Kenya women couldn't afford shoes with cleats so the Israeli women got together and bought a pair of cleated shoes for every member of the Kenya team resulting in the Kenya team winning their next two games and playing Israel again and losing not by 13 to 4 but by one point and I just think that is such a wonderful story well Bob where do you want to start do you want to start with the new information about Jeffrey Epstein do you want to start with state and local where do you want to start I want to start with international and I want to just mention as a factoid we are celebrating is the wrong word we are recognizing that this is the 400th anniversary of the delivery of the first slaves to what is now the United States, landing at Port Comfort, Virginia. And boy, are we still suffering from that. But international, we should talk about Hong Kong. Hong Kong is on edge, as you mentioned in the intro. The China is swarming. It's the force that is used to put down revolts and put down problems internally. 
on the edge. They're claiming that it's nothing but a long-planned exercise, and if you believe that, let's talk about my bridge. DD has sort of, DDT has sort of finally spoken up, but, but he's still mealy-mouthing, and I, I continue to think that if the protests continue, they're going to cross that border. Indeed, Chinese paramilitary have gathered near the Hong Kong border. Pro-democracy protests are continuing in Hong Kong, and members of the Chinese People's Armed Police Force have been seen just miles away from the territory's border with mainland China. According to CNN, paramilitary personnel were seen with riot shields, batons in Shenzhen. The armed forces of 1.5 million member paramilitary force controlled by the government. Trump has been criticized for taking a hands-off approach to the Hong Kong protests. Yesterday, a tweet of Trump's appeared to invite Chinese, the Chinese president for a personal meeting to discuss the turmoil. He wrote, I have zero doubt that if President Xi wants to quickly and humanely solve the Hong Kong problem, he can do it. Personal meeting, question mark? Uh, Dad, Justin Trudeau got in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, he did. Well, a year, a year ago, he put pressure on the minister of justice who happened to be an indigenous Canadian of Indian ancestry and put pressure on her to go easy on a company that had had apparently a illegal relationship as the company SN, SNC Lavalin with Gaddafi and the Ethics Commissioner has decided that, that really was not okay. It will be interesting to see what the effect on Mr. Trudeau's political career turns out to be. I think that I think that one fact does not determine whether or not he's one of the good guys or the bad guys. That's my own. No, that's it my does not determine, but it was a mistake. And I, it, it's very hard for me now. I look at the I look at the misconduct of any elected official and compare it to the current president of the United States. I don't know if we're grading <laughs> on a curve. People can give the grades that they choose. Dad, what other international news? Other than Because I realize as soon as you've done the big ones you want to, I do want to talk about the American economy, but go ahead. Okay, well, we're going to talk about the American economy, but we should. I think we should mention the Russian explosion uh, in the ocean, but uh, which they tried to hide, and they said it wasn't so bad, and they said, well, it killed, killed 37 people, five of whom are nuclear scientists. So it's a nuclear explosion, and there's speculation that it may relate to the cruise missile that Vladimir Putin many months ago bragged that Russia now had, which would be a missile that was able to completely evade any defensive efforts. Uh, it might mean that his brag was a little too soon. Something that uh, has not got a lot of play, but I think could have very, very serious economic uh, potential that South Korea and Japan, which has had a, a mutual trade agreement, they're both pulling out of the trade agreement, and the trade between South Korea and Japan may become fraught with much greater difficulty. So that's something to watch. And something of interest, medical tourism. Medical tourism is on the rise, not just to Canada, but to Mexico. <laughs> People going to Mexico where they can get operations for a third or less than the cost in the United States, and the operators are American surgeons who also go down to perform the surgery simply because the hospital and everybody else is not taking so much off the top. Well, Bob, 
nine nations have indicated that they are fearing and maybe demonstrating signs of recession and a concern that that is going to, some of that may be triggered by what's happening here in the United States, also worried about ripple effects happening here. I have been chicken little for the better part of the year. Uh, in fact, I sent you a note, was it two days ago? And uh, You sent me a note and I called and I thought I should see what had happened to my, I, to yeah. my retirement account. My retirement account was up half a percent. So as as from from when to when? As of yesterday afternoon, it, w- it went up yesterday. Even though there was a, cr- a even though we, the the stock market dumped. Right, which suggests that I really have my retirement account in a good place. So the so yesterday, well, the, the Dow saw what eight hundred point drop. Eight hundred uh, points. And we saw a yield cur- a yield curve inversion. Yield curve inversion is when uh, the predicted uh, understanding of what. Uh, long-term versus short-term interest rates are, are flipped when, in fact, it's almost like you're getting paid. You, you have to pay to uh, uh, to you have to pay ro- the wrong rates to get your money borrowed. And when short-term rates, which should be not as high as long-term rates, end up being higher than long-term rates. And the uh, last time this happened was something like two years before the big recession. Uh, 2007, I think, was the last time we saw uh, a, a yield curve inversion, and it has been a perfect predictor of recessions. Basically, what it means is that folks who are looking out at the economy think that uh, things are going down, and therefore they, they uh, change their time horizon for their investments. Uh, Dad, what are you... I, I have said, to me, the things that make me nervous, I, I think the trade war does make me nervous. I think the uh, Brexit makes me real nervous. Uh, that if there is a no-deal Brexit and all of a sudden trade in in the EU and trade with Great Britain we is thrown talk, into turmoil, we should talk that makes little, me nervous. We should talk a little bit about Brexit. There's there, there's lots of talk of folks trying to, who's willing to talk to Jeremy Corbyn and who's not willing to talk to Jeremy Corbyn. There are apparently some conservative MPs who are. The leader of the Liberals Party, not. But talking about getting together to address the risk of a no-deal Brexit, they're running out of time. They are, they've got less than two months. China reported the worst manufacturing output they've had in 17 years. Germany said that the economy actually sh- shrank this spring. Uh, both of those, plus others, uh, the uh, uh, several other nations, uh, notably Argentina and uh, Russia, have also shown slumps. And that led to a big stock market dip, which we covered a little bit today. Walmart has uh, put out earnings today, put out earnings this morning, and its earnings were pretty good. Uh, and this was this was what I was explained that looking at Walmart earnings, it's a little bit like looking at government report because there's so many cust- Walmart has so many customers that whatever happens at Walmart is an indication of you know millions and millions of uh, of activities millions and millions of people and probably billions of activities and it also around is, the country. it also is a measure of just how successful they are at screwing their providers the uh, so uh, other concerns other concerns that we're facing uh, and one of the big ones I, mean, I i am concerned the entire economy that we're in right now is a bubble this is my this is my concern and i remember my fallen friend sam blackman who ran elemental and is a you know built a really impressive company and sold it for tens of millions of dollars to Amazon uh, and it had never earned a profit and when you realize and Uber has 
hemorrhages money. Like if Uber, if Uber were a nonprofit organization, people would critique it. Uh, that you that that Airbnb, I hope you know, may, maybe maybe these large tech concerns can develop into ways that aren't just Ponzi schemes where you get one investor to pay because you think some other investor is going to pay. But the startups of today, not only we have a significant startup drop, but the startups of today, the second stage companies of today, have exit plans that are all to be purchased by a larger organization. There aren't that many larger organizations. There's basically big five, five big companies that are in the market to buy other companies. And ultimately, even Amazon keeps its margins very thin so it can keep people out of the market. And, I, and, my, and the thing I'm concerned about is that the fundamental value in the economy is inflated. And that balloon is inflated. And it's at some point, if that balloon pops, we could be in real trouble. And I'm looking around for sharp objects. And I do think what's happening with the Chinese economy, what is happening. Because here's the thing about the trade war with China. I think there is some argument in favor and people you know who hate Trump for his racism as I do uh, people who hate Trump for the fact that he uh, th- that he is benefiting the powerful at the expense of the powerless as I do uh, hate is a strong word but I don't know that I overuse it uh, in this instance the uh, t- tend to paint therefore everything with the brush informed by those opinions if we're looking only at trade policy there in, in my judgment there is an argument for rebalancing trade policy with China. It is a hard thing to do. But here's one of the additional costs. Here's one of the additional costs. The hope is you you recognize well maybe if we maybe if we put tariffs on China they'll have to buckle. And then they put tar- they, then they respond with uh, they respond in kind and that impacts our economy, impacts our farmers, impacts our shippers, impacts our supply chains. But they say well maybe they'll have to buckle before us, but here's another cost. If the economy in China is harmed, also so is ours, <laughs> because we're so, because we have such an interconnected global economy at this point that that you know it's it's a little bit it's a bit a little bit like pushing around your brother and then your brother but at the same time you know your brother is is pushing you around and realize you realize you're hurting the whole family uh, simultaneously. It is a uh, it is such an interconnected world that I'm a little concerned that that is uh, that, that if if we are successful. If we are successful, if the president is successful at harming the Chinese economy, that that could backfire. Yep, that's exactly right. What's and next? He, and he is not smart enough to know that. Uh, yeah, I, I just I don't know. Uh, the, and the people who are smart enough to know that that might have his ear don't have the guts to speak up because he is notoriously adverse to any suggestions questioning his judgment. I uh, shout out Sean Swaggerty, who shared some some good stuff on the yield curve, uh, including including uh, divergent opinions. Uh, in mid nineteen ninety eight, the spread between the ten year and the two year went slightly negative. Recession started about two and a half years later. Uh, the spread turned solidly negative in two thousand, and the Fed was raising rates. Uh, this guy thinks it's not it's not an immediate trigger. It's a longer term thing. Things we have maybe between eighteen and twenty four months. I, I am concerned we don't have that long for reasons that I have said. Uh, and but here's the other here's the other reason that we can get off this stuff for people who, uh, you know, humanities majors who don't want to talk about the global economy. Uh, my my other concern is if if Donald Trump, I don't remember if I'd said this on the air before, if I just said this in conversation, 
If Donald Trump says, hey, listen, we need to rebalance, it's my word, not somebody else's word, but if we want to rebalance tr- our trade relationship with China, if we want to if we want to have just a little bit shifting of the trade deficit, then, and one of the things we're going to do is we're going to impose tariffs. Then how do you make sure your economy doesn't tank? Well, Donald Trump's move has been to try to bully Jerome Powell. Washington Post came out with another article saying if the economy tanks, that Donald Trump, by the way, is scared of of what's happening in the economy. And if it tanks, he's already identified his fall guy. And his fall guy is the head of the Fed. He wants Jerome Powell to continue to lower interest rates. Uh, and the interest rates are already really low, right? Like, really low, like, which, and if you continue to lower them, what happens when you have a recession? You've got nowhere to go. And people get this, right? That the that the tool we have, the, if you ever want to run for office or if you ever want to be involved in, in the economic discussion, recognize there's monetary policy and fiscal policy. This is really useful uh, to understand. There's monetary policy and fiscal policy. These are sort of our main tools that policymakers have. And monetary policy comes from the Fed, and fiscal policy comes from the federal budget. Yeah. And so fiscal policy is like, you know, invest in infrastructure, what the tax rates are, uh, what what stimulus you might put into the economy, what you might decide to build in terms of, you know, the Green New Deal is fiscal policy. Health care is, is fiscal policy. Monetary policy is essentially interest rates, essentially what the, uh, what the Fed does. And, the, and, and what you do, the typical move, is that if things slow down, if, if the economy is slowing down, you make money cheaper, and you make money cheaper by lowering interest rates. And if lo- interest rates are lower and money is cheaper, then people say, oh, money is cheap. I'm going to go get some of that cheap money, and you get cheap money by borrowing it, and I'm going to go buy some stuff. And by buying some of that stuff, there's more economic activity, and that speak, uh, brings up the economy. Historical interest rates are what, about 7%? Especially not only buying stuff, but I might, I'm going to buy stuff for my company. I'm going to invest money. I'm going to build my company. I'm going to hire more people. And if you look at, I think I think historical average interest rates are 7%. might be a little bit lower. It might, might be in, in the sixes, but I think it's about 7%. And think about the mortgage for any of our listeners who own a home now. Your mortgage now is probably about 4%. Some of you might be paying 45 Some people might have a 15-year. Some people might, may have an adjustable rate mortgage, which I do not recommend. I do not recommend the adjustable rate mortgage. There's a reason they sell it. It's so that they can raise it later. Okay. But anyway. The, listen, there are other people you can listen to for that kind of stuff, but uh, that is my view. And the and right now, if you look at your own mortgage, you're probably paying around four percent. As Dad, you just said, it's hard to go much lower than that. It's hard to go much lower because, of course, the Fed rate is lower than four. Four is the commercial. Four is the retail rate. So. If they're now, if he, if they dipped it any further, and even at the rates now, if we do see a, a big economic slowdown, what are you going to do? Lower it to zero? What are you going to do? Pay people to take money? It's one of the reasons you let it, the interest rate creep up just a little bit is so that you have that little give. But Donald Trump has wanted his trade war so bad, and Donald Trump has wanted re-election so bad, and Donald Trump has wanted to inflate prices so badly and create this falsely heated up economy, uh, not by investing in infrastructure, not by investing in stuff that'll make us smarter, not by investing in stuff that'll grow the middle class, but just investing in stuff that'll make rich people be willing to pay more for high, already highly inflated assets because they have so much 
much extra money. And why do they have so much extra money? Because he just gave them this enormous tax cut. Anytime there's some sort of right-wing purported economist who's telling you, oh, like stimulus doesn't work or, or that conservatives don't believe in stimulus, yes, of course they do. If you listen to Newt Gingrich, who is advocating for the tax cut, he says, listen, if we get this tax cut, that'll boost the economy and that'll get Republicans able to win Congress. They didn't, by the way. And then also be able to sweep Donald Trump into re-election. That's been the strategy. They absolutely believe in stimulus. They just want to stimulate it from the top down. They just want to stimulate it by giving rich people tax cuts rather than giving poor people stuff or giving middle class people stuff or building stuff that'll make people faster or smarter or stronger or give, our, give us ourselves a better ability to move things around or impact the climate less. So it's not a it's not a is there stimulus or not. It's just kind of who do you want to help? The the concern here that I have is that this is the worst the, the worst kind of stimulus. The kind of stimulus that happened in advance of the Great Depression was the kind of stimulus that just made assets more expensive because rich people, because people with a lot of money were willing to pay more for it because rich people had a bunch of just liquid dough uh, floating around, and there's a ton of liquid dough floating around the economy. That's longer on the economy than I thought I'd spend. As we dive into national, I have a factoid I want to share. Go ahead. Factoid of the day. The Muslim people who who follow Allah, who are members of some Muslim faith, about 1% of the American population. Guess what percent they are of the population of state prisons? And a hint, it is not 1%. Take a guess. 4%. 9. Wow. 9%. Something that I don't know, but I suspect that that may be because the, the, the substantial number of that 9% are not Islamists from the Middle East, but Islamists who follow Louis Farrakhan. But that's a question of fact that would be interesting to find out. Scaramucci! Who would have thought that Scaramucci would be just about the first high-profile Trump supporter, Trump apologist, to go south on Trump. Did that surprise you? I, you know, I don't know. I'm going to evaluate too much by surprise. It's uh, did we talk? I think we talked about this on Monday. I think I gave my my sort of game theory, uh, my game theory understanding of this that Donald Trump plays a tit for tat game. I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, and the and and which is if his counterpart cooperates, then he cooperates too. If his counterpart says a nice thing, he says a nice thing too. If his counterpart defects, if his counterpart does, says a nasty thing, then Donald Trump will defect too, will attack back. And and I think this is the and so once Scaramucci was willing to criticize the president, it did not surprise a little bit. It didn't surprise me at all that. Uh, that Donald Trump would whack him back, and that doesn't surprise me oh, at no, all. That, Scaramu- that would not be and, that, and that doesn't surprise me at all that Scaramucci would reply in kind. And and this is where I think I'm not going to call it his wisdom. I'm not going to call it the Mooch's wisdom, but where it is something worth understanding. Which is eventually he will. Scaramucci said eventually he'll go after everybody. Eventually he'll go after even the country. And that's the the problem of the tit for tat. The problem of the tit for tat strategy is essentially the the old adage that if it's eye for an eye, eventually the world goes blind. That if you, if you do not have a mechanism, uh, whether, it's, uh, whether it's cultural, whether it's legal, whether it's just by habit, if you do not have a mechanism for resolving conflict, 
then ultimately conflict extends, gets worse, and the whole world goes blind. So that, to me, is the learning. Uh, also, Joe Walsh, coming out, former congressman, coming out and saying that Donald Trump needs a primary opponent and thinks that Donald Trump is vulnerable in a primary from the right. Uh, that it's uh, that I think it is. I think that Bill Weld, Bill Weld having a chance to beat Donald Trump, I think is tricky in a Republican primary. It might weaken him. Uh, might at least at least if the depending on what the Supreme Court does with California or whatever, if there if there are a couple states that that adopt rules like California that say if you don't release your tax returns and if those rules stick, I don't know if those rules will stick with as much packing of the Supreme Court as the right wing has done. Uh, I could imagine them trying to protect the president, allow him to stay in the primary. But Bill Weld, uh, if a couple states do that, there actually could be a credible. Uh, primary opponent to Donald Trump. But yeah, there's started to be, you know, we've seen it before, a couple signs, Steve King's uh, Steve King's comments recently, or Steve, was it just yesterday that he, just that yesterday, he said that stuff? When he said that, but for, but for rape and incest, the human race would not have survived. And the, and now there's folks <laughs> calling for his resignation. Uh, he, that when Donald Trump has, it, 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 I think Donald Trump ramped up his own ramped up the national racist mood when he was when he started getting people chanting uh, uh, send him back send him back uh, and then with the recent uh, gun violence his disapproval ratings have approached a near record high of 59 percent 59 percent of the country saying they disapprove of the president uh, his approval ratings down to uh, down to 43 which they how, basically stick how do 43 still stick how four out of every 10 people could approve, yeah. could approve of this horrible human being just blows my mind. It, well, it, show, it's, it shows it's not just about Trump, right? I mean, that's not what it teaches us. No, it's not about. It, that's right. It's not just about Trump. It's uh, the, the evangelicals are going to stick with him, come what may, because if they can get another term from him, they're liable to get two more Supreme Court justices, and who knows how many more Court of Appeal judges. And how many district court judges, and they'll have a stranglehold on the country for the the, li the rest of your lifetime, way beyond the rest of my lifetime. While we're talking about people with Italian names, Ken, Ken Cuccinelli has said that who we really I want. Think, I think I I. I, I I'm going to go along with that segue. I have challenges with that segue, but go ahead, finish uh, your finish your thought. Has said that uh, yes, we we want folks to come as long as they're not going to cost us any money. And when pushed on that, he said, "Well, the uh, Statue of Liberty was to invite people from Europe, and of course, the Statue of Liberty was actually to celebrate." the end of slavery, but he said from Europe. And this is very interesting because when his ancestors came to this country, they were discriminated against because they were Italian. You're listening to X-Ray FM, KXRY Portland, KQAC, HD3 Portland, 107.1, 91.1 FM, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. Dad, when we come back, we should talk about the new information, Jeffrey Epstein case, and we should also talk a bunch about state and local, including, I think we're going to have time for our quick six this morning. You're listening to X-Ray, and radio is yours. 
right, Pop. We should talk about Jeffrey Epstein a little bit. Before we talk about Jeffrey Epstein, because I want to talk about Jeffrey Epstein, but I think we should just mention what's happening in the presidential race. Okay. Presidential race, interesting. Tom Steyer needs just one more poll to qualify for the September debates. Uh, Castro, Gilliland, and Gabbard are on the bubble. Word is out that Hickenlooper may be pulling out today, and that's something that we should you should keep a watch at your screen. It might happen before this program ends today. But we have got to get Mr. Yang on this program. We just have to get him on the program. And there's, there are two reasons. Number one, he has stolen, just absolutely stolen your phrase, not left, but right, but forward. Not but right. What? Not left or right. Left or right. Or not left, not right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, left, not. And yesterday, do you know what he said he wants to do? What? He wants to give $100 to every voter for his term, democracy dollars. <laughs> now, let me tell you, Mr. Yang, where did you get that? Democracy dollars is a phrase that's been used in my family since I was a small child, since Dad has been advocating for a voucher system very similar to what Seattle ended up adopting in, as their public financing system. So he, Dad, he, Andrew Yang might just, might just know. He knows good material when he finds it. And he might just have hacked our computers. But that's why we should get him on to find out how he happened to how he happened to tap into yeah, us. I, I assume it'll just be sharks and dolphins, right? I mean, the sharks and dolphins have dorsal fins because they, uh, you know, they, they they have similar environmental contexts. I just, you know, uh, if you want to try to get on Andrew Yang, I'm down. Dad on Hickenlooper. The, the, to me, the most interesting thing about the Hickenlooper question is, uh, and, and I think it's interesting timer. He's eyeing the Senate race. Uh, there needs to be a good candidate for the U.S. Senate from Colorado. The Senate is every bit as important as the presidency. And the, the, the Democratic senator from Colorado, Mr. Bennett, who probably won't make the, Senate, the, the September debates, last night on uh, MSNBC admitted that he'd had a 20-minute drive, wouldn't talk about what they talked about. Drive with who? With Hickenlooper? With Hickenlooper. Yeah but said that he think that Hickenlooper would win hands down. Yeah. And, yeah, I think Hickenlooper would be obviously a really strong candidate in both the primary and the general in Colorado. And, and almost, like a little, almost like a little race about who would be the, the first person to, the, the first high-profile candidate. The dynamics in this state, it's interesting, though, because the dynamics in this state have changed because there are candidates who have announced. This is the, I, I see this also at Better O'Rourke. Better O'Rourke. So many commentators have looked at it and said, "Oh, this is his moment now." That with with the with the shootings in El Paso, the the absolute need to beat Cornyn in the state of Texas, the absolute need to change the power in uh, in Washington, not only in the White House but also in the U.S. Senate, the the need for Mitch McConnell not to be the head of the U.S. Senate, the opportunity to potentially win a Senate seat in the state of Texas, that Beto O'Rourke might have a chance to do that. And Barry Orkwood's not right now seem to have a particularly strong chance of being president of the United States. But one of the things that's shifted, of course, is that now other candidates are starting to get in the race. And other candidates are starting to get endorsements. And he'll have relationships either with those people or with either the candidates or the friends of the candidates. And it makes it a little bit harder. And it creates resentments. But the uh, but anyway, so yeah, everybody is saying that Hickenlooper is announced, to, is expected to announce that he is dropping out today. 
uh, Tom Steyer. I guess I, I don't want to say I'm rooting against him to make it in. That maybe I am. Do you want Tom Steyer to make it into the debates? You know, I really don't. Well, somehow we just need to get to Tom Steyer and say, "Hey, man, take that hundred million dollars and invest or just half it. of it." Yeah, just half and invest it in state legislative races to change state legislatures so that next year when it comes time to act on the results of the census and d district lines are redrawn, we will no longer have a situation where the one party gets a very significant majority of the votes in the country and winds up with a minority of the houses in the election in Congress. Yeah, fight for democracy. Don't fight for the Democratic Party nomination. Fight for democracy. Go help what Stacey Abrams is doing. Go help what Eric Holder is doing. Uh, go help pass uh, publicly fi publicly financed elections in cities across the country. There, the list of things that can be done to rescue a democracy is meaningful. There's a bunch of really positive stuff that pe people can be doing in their local communities. Uh, running for president is not the number one on that list for most people in the country even their application of individual energy could be best spent in working on a local state legislative race in a swing district or working to make sure that there is legitimate voter access making sure that there's automatic voter registration making sure that there is not ridiculous uh, gerrymandering in purple states that that list that, that yeah we will we will add to the zeitgeist we will add to the collective consciousness asking for people with resource to make sure and, and this is this is my primary beef with Bill Clinton okay and I, I was Bill Clinton voter my primary beef with Bill Clinton as a as a setting aside personal life is my primary beef with his the application of his influence and his power when he when Hillary Clinton and he created the Clinton Global Initiative and went out and did like did positive stuff right like for all that for all the critiques of that if you try to comp compare the Clinton operation with the Trump operation the Trump operations uh, purpose to purpose was to create huge profits for that family uh, while Clinton made a bunch of money uh, doing his post-presidential work the purpose of the work wasn't just to enrich rich people it was going out and helping countries around the world so I'm not a big knock on it my critique is he didn't look around and realize even after his even after Hillary had said discussed the vast right-wing conspiracy he didn't recognize that he that if he had applied his energy, if he had spent 20 years fighting for democracy, as a young guy who had finished the presidency, right? I mean, he still had a long way to run. That's one of the reasons why the Clinton Global Initiative was had legs because he was still he was in the prime of his career life when he left the president's office. Uh, that if he had spent that time figuring out how to build the media, and it's one of the reasons I'm an Al Gore fan. Like Al Gore spent real energy trying to build some media operation, trying to uh, engage in domestic environmental policy, trying to build some infrastructure. Imagine if instead of the former vice president who didn't win the presidency, it was actually the former president who had weighed in, who had figured out how to build a, a pro-democracy radio network, who worked to build a pro-democracy television network, who worked to build a pro-democracy internet network, who worked to build a pro-democracy uh, um, investment and donation network, uh, a, a network to win legislatures and U.S. Senate seats and or make sure redistricting was done better and or make sure that there were paper ballots in states so that votes aren't getting manipulated to make sure that 
it wasn't just auctions for political office, but in fact, we had public financing in places where it made sense, including municipal areas around the country. That that my that's my that's my real beef with Clinton. And what I'm hoping is that we will, by building a pro-democracy movement, there'll be more people that are called to do as Stacey Abrams has done, which is not only fight for their own career or even fight for a political party, but to fight for our overall politics and our overall democracy. And Tom Steyer just ought to throw his oar in that boat. And he's doing what? wonderful stuff. Like, to be clear, I mean, this guy's been one of the leading climate change funders in the world. Like, I'm not mad at him. The uh, uh, and, and, you know, it's his money. But I just think if he's willing to spend $100 million in the presidency, he could have $50 million, spend $50 million in state legislative races, and he could still have almost enough money to buy Jeffrey Epstein's house. And while we're talking about Jeffrey Epstein, tangential or but relevant, before we talk about Epstein directly, is that yesterday the new New York law went into effect eliminating the statute of limitations for sexual abuse, and over 400 lawsuits were filed the first day. The first day, more than 400. The judiciary in New York are, are setting aside 45 judges just to deal with the onslaught that is coming. The new piece of information on the Epstein case, so basically some of the information is all the irregularities, the uh, stories about an unlicensed, uh, maybe because, at least in part because of low staffing levels, uh, but uh, a, a, an unofficial prison guard being involved in his prison watch, uh, maybe people falling asleep on the watch, literally. The other new news, this uh, by the Washington Post, is an autopsy. And the autopsy found multiple breaks in his neck bones. Did you see this? Yes, which were which are very congruent with the likelihood of of hanging. Except for this, the among the broken bones in his neck is the hyoid bone. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, which in men is near the Adam's apple. And yes, that can that such a break can occur in those uh, who hang themselves, particularly if they're older according to forensics experts and studies, but they are more common in victims of homicide by strangulation. That if your hyoid bone is broken, that yeah, it could mean, yeah, it could mean that you uh, hanged yourself, but it's more common when you get strangled. So anyway. And I will promise you that 20 years from now, there will be people who are absolutely convinced that he was murdered and a substantial percentage of them will believe that it was done at the direction of the Clintons. I'm going to give, and I want to set that one aside, but I want to, I want to give a shout-out to Chase, who actually put it the best. He said, you know, I don't, he said for his understanding what's happening with power, what's happening with democracy, what's happening with truth and justice, uh, is that it doesn't much matter whether, uh, the, these two scenarios to Chase were sort of equivalent. And if you have a view, by the way, feel free to text us at 971-220-5979. It's 971-220-5979. Whether you think that there was somebody sent in who went in and actually killed Jeffrey Epstein, or if you think that they just sort of, you know, left the light on for him, that they just yeah, actually, didn't, actually didn't really they watch. left the light off. That they, they just kind of left the door open. They just, you know, made it made it easy. Uh, that that either way, it, for him, it sort of, both roads lead to Rome. And, and I have said, of course, that Jeffrey Epstein is exactly, the, the, the problem is, is that his profile is exactly the kind of profile that would suspe lead us to suspect that he would get killed by people in power 
also the kind of person that uh, we would suspect would get abused by other people in prison because that's what happens to sex offenders in prison and also the kind of person who might well kill himself given the his fear of at least the other two things and not much to live for although it's interesting the guy didn't kill himself when he found out he wasn't going to be able to he didn't wasn't going to be able to go to uh, just be in house arrest right i mean he, you know he he was uh, he had chances prior to him, him being arrested so i don't know and what's going to happen to all the folks who are suing him several of them insist they're going to go after I'm going to be really watching with interest to see what, if anything, happens to Ghislaine Maxwell. Not just she's going to be sued, but it seems to me that just screams for her to be indicted as a co-conspirator in his bad conduct. And Alan Dershowitz, Alan Dershowitz is screaming about the New Yorker article, which which uh, suggests that maybe he's not been entirely forthcoming about the nature of the massage that he now admits that he received. Well, we're talking about law enforcement, by the way. And by, I, 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 before this law enforcement thing, I mean, just to be clear, I was, I was having talking to some of the staff last night, and I was somewhat candid on my conspiratorial views. You're uh, talking about the, radio, the staff of this radio station. Yeah. Yes. And the... Uh, but for years, like since Donald Trump became uh, became a serious candidate for president, since that moment, Alan Dershowitz, who was a high-profile liberal uh, lawyer and law professor, repeatedly and consistently tangled himself rhetorically and philosophically in knots to defend the president. Anybody who doesn't think that that's that's connected to what we now know, I think isn't paying attention. Like the Sarah Kenzier hypothesis, this is the dark stuff. The Sarah Kenzier hypothesis is that when the media elected Donald Trump to the presidency, when the media covered, and I just, I should do it this week and charts on it, but it, it was just a graph. Uh, it was just a graph that showed the number of media mentions you compare. And there's something that we just shouldn't forget and the media has to demonstrate we're part of the media. And it's one of the reasons we've got to offer our truth that the comparison of how much the words Trump and jobs, Clinton and jobs, uh, Trump and Russia, uh, any other combination of topics and candidate multiplied by factors of five or six in comparison to Clinton and emails that the, uh, the, the capitulation or the uh, promotion of Donald Trump, the unwillingness, the inability to ask him questions that would demonstrate his lack of fitness for the office. Nobody was ever even willing to ask him, Mr. Trump, you talk about making America great again. When is the time you want us to go back to? And nobody ever asked the question. And the... And when Matt Lauer made it easy on him, and now we know that Matt Lauer is out of his job, the uh, that the Sarah Kenzier hypothesis, and she's of the podcast Gaslit Nation, the author of The View from Flyover Country, is this wasn't just uh, this wasn't just the head of CBS Les Moonves saying, "Oh yeah, Donald Trump might be bad for the country, but he's good for CBS." Les Moonves also out of his job, by the way but that it was a network of blackmail. It was happening with the Trump tr crew. It was happening with, uh, with the, his mob ties. It was happening with 
the the National Enquirer ties, uh, and it's a vault of information that they still have not uh, uh, thrown open, is that it's just been a web of blackmail, and that that hypothesis connected to Alan Dershowitz uh, makes va- makes his defense of Donald Trump over the last few years makes so much more sense. It seems like such a, a, a much more credible hypothesis, hypothesis than anything else I can think of. Uh, and and anyway, Dad, we've got to take a break right now. Let's come back. Let's actually do state and local. That's what we're going to talk about. Uh, and, and unless it, you, if, there's, if there's something you've got to say that's not state and local, say it right now or forever hold your peace. Very quickly, the Halloween Costume Association is circulating a petition to change Halloween to the last Saturday in October. They already have more than 100,000 signers. Really? And this has religious connotations because what people need to remember is that Halloween is to, is the night before All Hallows Day. And there isn't any way in the world they can change All Hallows Day because All Hallows Day is the 1st of November. So they want to change it to sell more candy because they think yeah, a weekend so, a weekend so, Halloween so won't, won't have stuff. any weekdays Halloween. So you school kids don't have to... And Halloween parties will be able to yep. always be on the day of. Yep. All right. Let's take a quick break. You are listening to X-Ray. This is news my dad. I'm Jeff. That's my dad and radio is yours. All right, Dad. Let's start with the rally that happened yesterday. The mayor calling together a bunch of activists and organizational leaders. Uh, Casey John has been a friend of the show as one of them uh, to decry violence and also to decry white supremacy and fascism uh, yesterday. Uh, the ended up making some national news, uh, trying to find the, uh, trying to strike a note that wasn't similar to Donald Trump's note in Charlottesville that there are good people on both sides when the question is uh, uh, decidedly uh, white supremacist organizers versus those who don't want white supremacist Organized. We're then making sure that there's also not, it, it's not just a fight for theater. It's not just something that's sent out that it gets us all wrapped up and eventually thinking, well, I guess it is kind of a both sides world where uh, with Antifa on one side and white supremacists on the other. Anything that struck you about that, Dad? Well, the thing that strikes me is that the Antifa folks play into the Patriot Boys' hands when they resort to violence. And if, if if I could wave my wand and get Antifa to do what Are you going to say the mask thing again? What? Are you going to say the mask thing again? No. Okay. The, the, the best thing they could possibly do Saturday would be simply don't show up. Don't show up so that when the cameras go there to film the conflict there's no conflict to film there's no night news there's there's no national news about what happens it's just the proud boys went there and when you say so you're suggesting that nobody else would show up absolutely all right nobody else show up but just let let those clowns walk around mouthing their racist crap and so what yeah. did they accomplish? I, I, I've been I've been thinking about it, and the uh, I had a change of mind. I think it was on the drive over this morning. Holy cow! I think it was the drive over this morning. It was in the car. I'm pretty sure it was just yeah. I think it was just an hour ago. The uh, that I think I might disagree. 
And I yeah, mostly agree because I, I've been thinking about this trap, this trap that you're in. That's that if you're trying, it's it's the same, it's the same trap that at a, at a different scale that terrorists work on. The terrorists try to pick a fight. The point, uh, what ISIS is trying to do is pick a fight because if it has a fight, then it can say, oh look, see, we are the main enemy of the of, of the great evil United States. Uh, we want to build an Islamic state. Anybody who likes us more than the United States, who thinks the United States is the evil empire, join us. And by picking the fight, they can gain. Uh, they can gain followers. It's similar to the Proud Boys. What they're trying to do is pick a fight, and therefore you have a really strong argument. Well, if there's no fight, then maybe we don't need to we don't need to respond. But here's the problem. Let's say you're right that this. Let, let, let's even go further. That the uh, that the thing that you're worried about is that there will be you know the black bloc, the folks who are uh, you know a, a little less or decidedly less law and order, who aren't as invested in the community, who there are some people who don't like uh, skinheads or don't like uh, fascists, who don't like the Proud Boys, uh, but uh, but do like fights and do like showing up to fight. Uh, there are a few of them who only like fights and who don't like government and don't like control. So let, so let, they're so, the ones who wear the masks. And, and, and let's say that they're going to show up. Now, my guess is, Pop, that your admonition to say, hey, folks, don't show up to this thing is unlikely to have any impact on the people who want to fight. It has less chance than a snowball in hell, I recognize, but okay. it still would be the smart thing to but, do. But, but no, well, so I'm suggesting it's not because of that, that, that it would have an impact on, because I was thinking, oh, everybody just let this tempest in a teapot be a tempest in a teapot. And why is the, why is the mayor, and I think the mayor and the, and the local leaders did a smart thing, why are they adding more attention to this thing? Why are they giving adding more fuel to the fire rather than just let the thing be a tempest in a teapot? And it's a hard thing, and I'm not sure there's any perfect answer. But here's a, here's a, the case in favor of the move to give it more energy. That if you say, hey, folks, don't show up, and the only people who show up are the people who want to have a fight, well, I think you're going to end up having a fight because the people who want to fight are still going to show up to the fight. But if you can flood the zone with good people, and if you can flood the zone with good energy, and if you can try to make the zeitgeist a thing not about violence and try to reinstill nonviolence in the protest movement and the counter-protest movement, adopt that, push that as a principle, and make sure that the fighters are so strongly outnumbered that it might make a fight less likely and less possible. So anyway, that was what I was thinking I was driving in today. Well, we're going we're gonna to watch on Saturday, as is the country. The, uh, what else you got that's happening around our town or happening lots around our of, state? Lots of stuff. Uh, Oregon is, is kind of a segue from national to local. Oregon folks are supposed to get about $2.8 million from the $700 million Equifax has been ordered to pay because of privacy violations. Of course, that doesn't come anywhere close to the $5 billion that fi Facebook has been fined. For, fit for privacy violations. Privacy violation is something that people really need to be concerned about. So kind of good news. There's a new bicycle park just opened at Timberline, Mount Hood. It's been in the works for something like 10 years. There's going to be a great opportunity for bicyclists to go up and do fast downhill and, and, and bending. An interesting happening thing in Bend. Bend has several celebrations during the summer that they think is great because it draws tourists. Well, it turns out that the Bentown businesses say that it does nothing but hurt them. 
and they want Bend to either cancel all of these events or at least to move them into parks outside of the downtown business district because downtown businesses just take it in the shorts during those times because people can't get to the businesses. Portland Police Department is really going after street racing. Over the weekend, my friend and your friend, Josh Goldschmidt, who is in charge of the Eye in the Sky program for the city of, for the Portland Police Department, copped five arrests and many, many tickets to street racers that they were able to identify and keep track of because of the airplane circling overhead. I get to see Josh every couple of months when he comes to our CNAC meetings, of which I am a member. According to The Guardian, and this is something I want to talk a little bit about, and I hope you can call up the Off the Record Strategies website. According to The Guardian, the Southwest Oregon Joint Terrorism Task Force which is made up of the FBI and local law enforcement, sheriff, sheriffs, and police departments, that the task force has been tracking opponents of the Jordan Cove uh, facility. They've been, going, they've, they've been tracking people who are opposing Pembina in that, and They've not just been circulating what they have been tracking and learning among the members of the task force. They have included in the loop Mark Fiefel, I don't know if it's Fiefel or Fiefel, who, a former G Bush, President Bush PR guy, is the CEO of the company Off the Record Strategies. So that they're in... All, all of that, and of course, off-the-record strategies, we know, was a very significant mover in the attacks on fracking opponents in North Dakota. When I looked up... So explain real quick. You're saying there's a firm that's been hired by the folks who want to build uh, we assume, fossil fuel facilities. We assume that they have been hired. We don't know that they've been hired. Well, why do you know they're involved? Why do they know they're because that that is that has come out in a in a request for for communication. So we don't know we don't know who their client is, right? But this but off the record strategies this right. uh, this sort of private uh, PR firm. And when and when you go when you go to their website to find out about them, whoa! It says almost nothing except that we're tough and we do what we're told. So you sent this to me. It says something more than that. That they're a little bit more. Well, it, it says what they brag about. Off the record strategies. This crew that is uh, that is trying to promote uh, the fossil fuel projects and discredit those who are trying to oppose it. Their head is this Mark Feifel guy. The way he markets himself is that he. I'll just quote it. I'll just quote it. Mark Feifel led the successful communication effort to promote President Bush's surge of U.S. forces into Iraq and international communication initiatives to delegitimize al-Qaeda. He then talks about, in, his, in other materials, let me help you generate your own surge. So 
the run-up to war, now we know disastrous invasion and occupation of Iraq, that this is his primary uh, this is his primary calling card. His, pri- any, that his primary, primary uh, boast tool is Mark Feifel at off-the-record strategies. Anyway. But that, that's my Mark Feifel, but the off-the-record strategies, when you just go just off-the-record strategies and don't mention Feifel... It just says we're tough and we do what we're told. No, no, I'm saying I'm at the. St- I, I what I read is oh, okay. from their website. Okay. You just have to click on team. Okay. Are you familiar with dults? I don't know if it's dults or dulce, because nobody ever tells me how to pronounce these things. But you know what? You it know, is? you can go to the web. Do you know what it is? That that my my new tool now is when there's a word I don't do it. You know, you can go on the web, type in the word and how to pronounce it, and there's little videos oh, well, that click how to pronounce you go, it. D U L S E and tell me how to pronounce it. Well, Dulce is how you pronounce it in some languages, but I'll. Uh, is it a company? No, it's not a company. It's a seaweed. That is not D U L C E S E. Oh, I don't know what that is. Right, it's a seaweed. Four years ago, it was touted as the new kale. Oh, yeah, I see this it's, stuff. Yeah, there's a seaweed that's supposed to taste like bacon. And it hadn't gone very far, but in just the last few weeks, two companies have obtained licenses from the state of Oregon to produce dulce or dulce, whatever is the pronunciation. And they are saying that they're going to produce 300,000 pounds in 2020. And it's supposed to be really good for you, and it's supposed to taste really good, too. So, folks be watching for Dulce. And while we're talking about algae, probably worth mentioning that there is toxic... Oh, Joey says Joey says it's just dulls. Dulls, okay. Mm-hmm. Dulls. Right. That tox- there's toxic algae it been found in the 10 Mile Lake in Coos County. Previously it's been found in Cullaby Lake, in Billy Chinook, in the Brownlee Reservoir, in Lower Umpqua. But the reason this is significant, if you have a dog and you go take your dog to 10 Mile Lake or to one of those other lakes I just mentioned, don't let your dog go in the water because it's killing dogs, very quickly killing dogs. Within, within an hour of coming out, the dogs are dead from the algae that they've got. And also, if you are liking the water and you're thinking about swimming in the Halen Bay Please be very careful in the Halem Bay. There are rip currents that affect the Halem Bay, and one of those rip currents washed three people out to sea, and only two of them made it back safely. One of them died last week, so be really careful about that. While we're talking about water, Warm Springs still doesn't have any. Warm Springs now has gone months without water coming out of their tap, drinking water. Uh, Warren Springs, by the way, is suing the rancher that they say caused the fire that started all of this problem. They're suing that rancher for 12 million bucks. So, got to feel sorry for, and I'm, I'm particularly conscious of this because a wonderful, wonderful secretary that I had when I was district attorney came to visit me last week. So, Mavis Shaw, a full-blood Warm Springs, member of the tribe. Uh, as a matter of fact, on yeah, we the talked about council. it on air. And she she says they they are able to afford the water that they drink over over a gallon every day that they drink. Portland Public Schools. Some interesting things are happening. 
there are a whole bunch of, of parents that are demanding that Portland Public Schools provide more facility for talented gifted. If I remember correctly, you participated in the T&G program, did you not? Sure. I thought you did. They're saying that that there's not getting the proper and a, a not getting the proper what attention okay and a great thing happened uh, last week they had the Portland public schools had a gathering of all of their top management by the top management I mean the principals and the vice principals the folks who were actually in the schools and they all came away with a program to integrate the teaching and recognition of racial justice and equality in the entire curriculum. So it's just embedded and woven into the entire curriculum. And I just think that is an absolutely marvelous, marvelous thing. 